This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Alright, so again, on this Sunday morning, we will continue teaching on the topic of, are you prepared? And again, this is something that our pastor had, had already went through and taught on, and I'm just pulling out a piece of the, the topic of what our pastor deal with, the different subjects he deal with, and I'm tied into the message that I taught around, is there not a cause? Really looking at David. David is an outstanding example to me. And I always say this about the example I love about David, because we get a chance to see part of David's life. Right from the time he shows up on the scene, you know, to the time he becomes, you know, a young man, and the time he becomes king, and then gets in the older man, and in the years having children, when life happens, you get a chance to see David's life. And uh, it's, it's easy to to look at other people's life and, and to criticize and talk about, you know. That's why I say I thank God it's David and not mine, uh, because it's, it's interesting to see the life and the progression. Um, so we use David as our our object lesson and our example this morning. Um, so. Turn with me to the opening passage of Scripture in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11, starting in verse 7. It says, By faith Noah, being warned of God, of things not yet seen, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world because became and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. And so this is the passage of scripture that our pastor used as one of, uh, key, one of those key scriptures for the teaching of Are You Prepared? And we talked about how Noah was moved with fear. And he prepared an ark. Right? And God showed him to warn these, these things and even before it happened. But when God warned him, he moved. And I love that. God warned, he moved. It wasn't like God warned and he questioned God warned and he moved. And he moved with fear. He prepared. Uh, it's amazing. I mean, the simple things that we need to gather when it comes to the Word of God. And so, when our pastor talked about this, are we prepared? And I'm going to focus on are we prepared for the challenge. Because something is coming next. We already understand this. There's always a next. And God's preparing you for the next. Um, and so, when our pastor talked about this, in this topic about are you prepared, she talked about, am I awake? Is your heart ready? Are you prepared to make the commitment? Are you prepared to obey? Are you prepared to set things in order? Are you prepared for the challenge? Am I prepared to establish the will of God or finish the work that God has called you to do? And so for me, again, for this teaching, we're going to examine David as our end sample to do our own self-evaluation to see if you're prepared for the challenge. Right? And, and again, understanding about the challenge, right? The distractions are not the challenge. The challenge is for you to stay focused. And I'll make this statement about what we're currently in right now, the pandemic, you know, COVID-19. That's a distraction. Right? What do you mind by that? You've got to stay focused. The challenge is stay focused. It's amazing how we need to stay focused in a pandemic. That's where you need the heart need to be. That's where you need to be striving towards. Again, there's things that have changed, obviously, from the pandemic, the way we do, the way we function, the way we operate. Again, there's been many changes, obviously, that needs to happen. 
But don't get caught up in the distractions. Right? Make sure you follow God so you can stay focused. Stay focused. That's what it is about when it talks about challenges here. And so, <clears throat> when we talk to this teaching about is there not a cause, we talk about the word cause, and cause is a reason for an action. You always need a reason to do something. There's a reason for your actions. If not, you are just being idle and wasting time. And the cause is always found when you follow God's original instructions. You can find the reason for your action when you follow after God's original instruction. And it's amazing how God will speak to us about his instruction. God speaks to us through his authority, through his delegated authority. Right? So when God speaks to us through our delegated authority, then we can follow after his original instructions. So that means that we need to be under authority and stay there. And then hear from the counsel from, our, from the delegated authority that God has placed over us and then obey. Follow. And we see this with David. David followed after God's delegated authority that, that he had. God's original structure. And who was delegated for, for David's uh, delegated authority in his time? It was called his father. Jesse. Jesse gave David a commandment and David followed it. Right? And from him following that, he ran right into purpose. He ran right into the cause. So let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 16. In looking at this man, David, <clears throat> when David was anointed king. First Samuel chapter 16. <clears throat> Starting in verse number one, it says, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thy horn with oil and go. I will send thee to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. So this is the Lord speaking to, the, to Samuel, the prophet, and telling him who is going to be king. And I like this, how the Lord said, I have provided me a king among the sons of Jesse. And whenever time I read this passage, it always amazes me how, how God never told Samuel who it was. He just told him he was to be one of the sons of Jesse. But he never tell him which son it was. Right? And, and so now here's Samuel. He's telling him, but you need to go. Stop mourning for Saul. Right? Stop mourning for who I have rejected. And we talked about this last time. Understand when God talks about rejecting somebody, right? Don't, don't get it caught up thinking that there's something that God is doing for God, right? Why did God reject this person? Saul got to a place where he would not move forward with God. See, understand? This thing, that's what I love about God. God is always moving forward. God is always progressing. No, God has, like our minister said this morning, God has an end game. Right? And it's our point to get on his plan and purpose to stay on the end game. But guess what? If you don't stay on his end game, the end game is still happening. Right? And so that's what happens with many people. Right? They decide they're only going to go so far with God. But God is going forward. And God was telling Samuel, hey, I have, God, I have a king that I provided amongst the sons of Jesse. Go. And then we jump down to verse, <clears throat> verse number 7 because then, you know, Samuel goes and then he meets Jesse, the father. And then now he starts going through the sons and he talks through the first son. Man, let's start in verse 6. First uh, Samuel 16 and 6. And it said, it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said, surely the Lord's anointing is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, look not on his countenance 
or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord, he looketh on the heart. And so here is the Lord. It's amazing how the Lord has given Samuel a teaching moment, right? Because Samuel thought this surely is the Lord's anointing based on his outward appearance. But God said, no, I refused him. Refused him for what? That's not the one that's going to be, that I provide to be king. Right? Understand, purpose. And God, we know God is a God of purpose. That means there's certain purposes that God has called you to do and he expects for you to fulfill it. Right? And God knows. And it's based on God sees your heart. He knows. God knows your heart. And again, we can say that, that uh, you know, that other people may know what we're thinking or you know what our heart is. But I'm telling you, only way we can know your heart is when you show it to us. only way we can see your heart is by the fruit that you show us. That's the only way. But God, He knows your heart. Why do I know your heart? God knows your motives, your intentions, why you do what you do. God knows that. You know, you can say anything to people around you about why I'm this, why I'm that, but God knows. So he's telling us, don't look on the outward appearance. God says, I look at the heart. And that's why he said about David, is a man after God's own heart. He's the one that God has provided to be king over Israel. Right? David. Right, so then, <clears throat> let's jump down to verse, verse 11. It says, And Samuel uh, said unto Jesse, here are, they, are uh, thy children. And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for he will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy, and with all a beautiful countenance, and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. And now this is the one that the Lord has confirmed with the prophet Samuel. This is the one I have called to be king. The youngest out of the sons of Jesse. The youngest. Not the oldest. The youngest. Not the middle child. The youngest. God is called to be king. The one that Jesse didn't even bring out to the forefront. The one that was out there keeping sheep. Again, the one who was out there based on God's original instruction, based on God's original instruction that's given to him by his father. The one that was obeying God called. See, it's amazing how you see how it works, right? God called. David wasn't out there just sitting out chilling, drinking some lemonade and having a good time. He was on bit. He was on point. He was already working. He was already following instructions. And God took him from that place where he was at and brought him to a place where he needs to be. But he was already working. He was already on purpose. See, in other words, David had already learned some things about God. You know, it's easy to call somebody in the sense where they already know how to hear your voice and know how to obey. In other words, you know, for David, you know, some things he had already, like preparation. He, David had already been prepared for this moment. But what I love about David in this, in the passage of Scripture, you know, David never said nothing. David, David never came out there and said, Dad, why you didn't, why you didn't have me come out here in the beginning? Dad, why am I keeping sheep when the prophet is here? Or he didn't come out and say, Dad, of course it's me. You know, I'm the youngest son. I'm the most handsome out of the group. You know, he, he didn't, David was so, David never, it never recorded David said anything. Because I'm going to tell you, you know how we are when it comes to siblings and family, right? Let somebody pull you out of your, from your siblings. You know, sometimes you can rub it in. 
See, I told you. I told you I was the one. Or you go back and have, you know, vengeance, you know, take against your family members, right? Somebody, see, you shouldn't have mistreated me. Okay, so one day I'm going to be king. Right? I'm going to rule it all, right? Like the movie Lion King. I, hey, I'm going to do it all. He didn't have that. It's amazing. David never said any of this. Matter of fact, David never acknowledged that he was anointed king. He, 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 you know, this, I mean, the reason why I go through these things because it's amazing what's not said here, right, about David. He never acknowledged it. Now, again, we wasn't there. Again, the, the scriptures, for whatever reason, may not have put it down. But it's the reason why he's not said what David said. They moved on from this point. So verse 13, it says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Now, to me, what is the most important part of that passage of Scripture is God confirmed that he is now going to be king. How did God confirm it? Because the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. See, I'm going to tell you, so God is not arguing with you. At, you know, who you think should be in a certain position, that's not who God is operating. God's not operating based on your counsel. Again, we're talking about how to, how to handle the, you know, how to deal with, with challenges, how to stay focused. See, that's how I can stay focused with God, because who God has called, that's who he's got. That's who, who God has called is who he has confirmed. It is not about what I think or what I don't think. Who, I mean, none of that. It wasn't about who Samuel thought. Who God has called is who he will confirm. And he confirmed it by the Spirit of the Lord came upon David. So it didn't matter what, what Jesse, David's father, thought. It didn't matter what his brothers thought. But he was anointed in the midst of his brothers. So that means every one of his family members knew that now my brother or my son is going to be king. And God confirmed it. God confirmed it. God is so good. And so, you know, here's the questions that we asked before, right, based on this, right? Are you ready to follow? And are you prepared for the challenge? And being ready to follow is different than being prepared for the challenge. Being ready to follow means that you have agreed and recognized that there is a cause. And many people are there. They're ready to follow. They're ready to, okay, I'm ready to do this. Because you agree and accept that there is a cause. There's a reason for my action. But being prepared for the challenge means I'm committed to the cause. It's more than your agreement. It's more than your recognition about the cause. But you are committed to the cause. Because we said before, challenges, the challenge is staying focused when facing distractions. That's the challenge. It's staying focused when facing distractions. So we've got to be prepared to stay focused. Focus. When all the distractions are around us, stay focused. David, stay focused. And here was a question we asked you last time, right? During this pandemic, right? While we've been in this pandemic for however months, a year and a half it's been, right? What have you been doing? Take a a self-evaluation. When it comes to the kingdom of God, you know, in other words, have you picked up other activities, right? While you've been on this pandemic, Right? We've been dealing, you picked up other activities. Have you moved closer to God? Have you moved away from God? Have you stayed the same? And what I mean by move closer to God, 
you know, stay the same or, or, or moved away from God. I'm talking about when it comes to God's plan and His purpose. That's a self-evaluation. A self-examine. Where are you at with your walk with God during a pandemic? Because again, many people have picked up brand new hobbies. You know, it's me. They have filled the time in that they used to have before with other things. And it has nothing to do with God. It's things that they wanted to do. It's, it's self-evaluation because it's so important because understand this. The pandemic is not going to last forever. It's going to be time where we're going to be past this. And whatever shape, form, and fashion is going to be, things are going to go back to where you're going to have some sort form of in-person services or where we're going to meet or fellowship again. And then at that point, are you going to be prepared to move forward? Or at that point, you're going to be starting to try to catch up. See, here's a real question, right? Are you been busy or have you been on purpose during the time of the pandemic? Many of us have been busy. Right, busy means you fill the time, like I said, with activities. But have you stayed on purpose when it comes to God? Right? And we looked at this last time. We looked at Martha and we looked at Mary and how Jesus, when he came to their house, and how, how Jesus dealt with, with Mary and told us that you're cumbersome or worried about many different things. You're busy, Mary. I mean, Martha, you're busy, Martha, about many different things. But then he told Mary she has chosen the best part. You know what Mary said when Jesus came to their home? She wanted to sit at the feet of the master. That means whatever she was doing when the Lord shows up, she stopped. She recognized the Lord was there. And she sat at his feet. See, that's the difference between being busy and being on purpose. See, purpose will cause you to sit at the feet of Jesus, the master, to hear from him. And I'm going to tell you, during this pandemic, if you followed after purpose, you would have sat at his feet. You would have heard from the master. You know, what I mean by sit at his feet of Jesus? Go back to the basics. You know, things that we've been doing with this, this mouth fast and examining what comes out of our mouth, really examining what's in our heart. You know, going back to the time, think about your prayer time. You know what I'm saying? Your prayer time. The time that you spend with your Heavenly Father. How fruitful is it? Or is it you just going through the motion? You know, again, we can say a lot of things when we're doing prayer. But where is our heart at? Do, do we pray out of obligation? Or do we pray out of a love for the Father? Just to spend time with Him. See, that's what I mean by going back to the basics. That's what I mean by sitting at the feet with Jesus. You know, it's nothing like somebody coming to your house and then you busy, right? You know, you got company that shows up and then you, soon, you, they, soon they come, you just run around doing things. They're like, well, you know, I thought we were going to fellowship, have some time together. But you're still in there cooking, you're still in there cleaning the house. You know, you, you act like they weren't even coming. You're busy. Again, you're getting things done, but you're going to miss the point of purpose. There's a reason why that, that the fellowship is there, the, pur- the purpose of why they're there. Sit at their feet. Listen, hear. That's purpose. That's how you can, in the challenges, that's how you can stay focused. I'm staying at the feet of Jesus. I'm not moved away from that. Right? And then we learned this from the example we saw here with David. That after all this had happened with David, right, when he was anointed king, in the midst of his brethren, Right? He kept his father's sheep. 
He didn't say, okay, Dad, hey, my, my keeping the sheep days is over. I need to prepare for the kingship. <laughs> hey, David stayed focused on his, on his original instructions given by his father. Never moved away from that. So we talked about, look at what David did after this happened when he got anointed king. Jump down to verse, we stopped at 13. Let's pick up in verse 14. It says, but the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And the evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servants said unto him, Behold, now an evil spirit from God troubled thee. Let our Lord now command thy servants which are before thee to seek out a man who is cunning, playing a harp. And it shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God is upon thee that he shall play with his hand and thou shalt be well. And Saul said unto the servants, Provide me now a man that can play well and bring him to me. Then answered one of the servants that said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is cunning and plain, a mighty valiant man, a man of war, and prudent in matters, and is comely person, and the Lord, again, is with him. And that's the, he's talking about David. Verse 19, Wherefore Saul said unto the messengers, unto, sent messengers unto Jesse, and said, Send me David, thy son, which is with the sheep. Right? And so here is this, this testimony again about David. Also, we heard a testimony about David in verse 12, but now we hear a testimony about David again. How David stayed focused. How, how now, we heard about him keeping sheep, but now all of a sudden we bring up this conversation about he can play an instrument. He can play a harp with his hands. That means he practiced, skillful. He didn't put the harp down because he kept sheep. And I say this again, we say this all the time. You can do more than one thing. Right? You know, how, it's easy how we can try to play that game like, no, I'm focused on this right now, so I'm going to put this aside. No, you can do this and that. And do excellent in both of those. We see that with David. Right? David was skillful in playing the harp, a string instrument. And he played it with his hand. He played it so well that the evil spirit departed. Right? That means this brother can play that harp. Right? He wasn't just playing around. I mean, he can play it. And then he called him a mighty, <coughs> a mighty uh, valiant man. And I like the word valiant. Valiant means he was boldly courageous. Again, they talk about him like he's a grown man. This, this is this young lad, the same David. But he said he was a mighty, valiant man. He was, that means he was boldly courageous. Things we talk about being strong, being, being courageous. They recognize this with David. Then he said he was a man of war. Now how can a, a, a child, a youth, be a man of war? And how would you know that unless you've seen it? I mean, I'm telling you, this is, this is amazing. Hearing this testimony about him in verse 18, you would have thought, you would have thought, that Jesse would have brought him before when, the, when this prophet showed up to say, yeah, what about this one? But I think some of these things his father didn't even understand. You know, there's some things that, like I said, goes on that unseen work. There's preparation that God is doing in your heart that maybe your parents don't even understand what's going on. And you're not broadcasting it either. You're not letting your parents know all the great things that you're doing. But God sees it. You know, the things that you do in private, God will reward you openly. 
stand on purpose. Who would have thought David playing a heart would have brought him before the king? But David stayed with that. And then he said he was prudent in matters. And, and this one I, I like as well because prudent in matters means it shows that he knew how to handle business. As a youth, as a young person, he can handle business. He can take care of things. Right? You know, you, can you imagine putting some things into your, the hands of your, your teenager and then he can be able to handle it? Well, that's what you see here when it came to him keeping sheep. His father put that business in his, in his son's hand and he handled it. He took care of it. I said this before, you never hear David complain about keeping sheep. He never went back to his father and said, Father, what about the rest of you? my brothers? How come they're not here helping me? Why am I the only one keeping the sheep? you just picking on me because I'm the youngest dad. You know, what about them? They're out there having fun in the battle. I'm at home keeping sheep. None of this conversation happened with David. He's prudent in the matter. He knew how to handle business. It's preparation. God prepared this for the future. And you see it. He didn't mention about him being a comely person. Again, it always comes back to you know, his appearance. You know, him being handsome. But the thing I want you to catch here is more than just being handsome. David was pleasant to be around. You know, there's some people that's beautiful on the outside, but they're not really pleasant. They could be nasty on the inside. You know, they're just not pleasant to be around. And you've seen that. I mean, you know, you, you can recognize their beauty and appreciate their beauty, but then when they start talking like, oh, that's okay. You don't look that good. That's all right. You could have kept that to yourself. I mean, because they just, you know, we go, when they come with chicken heads, when, you know, they just got a whole different conversation they shouldn't even have. You got nothing up, you know, it's just like, wow, that was not, it's not pleasant to be around. Arrogant, cocky. All about them, self-centered. Again, it's like, but that's not David. He was pleasant to be around. And then lastly, he said that the Lord was with him. And like I said, that's the most important testimony about David. And I said, do a self-evaluation for yourself. What will be the testimony about you? If someone had to give an account for who you are, right? You know, of course you want them to say how beautiful you look, how fine you are, how shaped you are, right? But would they ever say the Lord was with you? I just wonder, out of the blue, the Lord is with you. Is that the testimony they have for you? And again, remember, David was the youngest. And why that is so important, because we know in this, this ministry, we've been talking about restoring this generation. We've been talking a lot about the young adults and the youth. And we want them to understand, young adults and youth, God has, uh, has you have value to God. God sees value in you. You have value in you in this ministry. Right? Understand that. And, and to be prepared, and you see this David being prepared for the challenge, it had nothing to do with his age. Preparation for the challenge had to do with his obedience to God. His commitment to God. See, David was committed to God. At a young age. That's why he can be used by God. That's why he was prepared to be king. And as a young person, as a youth, as a young adult, your commitment to God should not waver. And this is the thing I thought about. I, I was thinking about this when I was spending time studying this out. And, I, and I'm going back to the, the comment about being prudent in matters, being able to handle business. You know, we have a, 
a lot of young adults in this ministry. And I'll just say this. We have a lot of young adults in this ministry. But I thought about a young man that really touched my heart when I was thinking about this being able to handle business. Right? You can put some things in, in this young man's hand and he'll get it done. Right? And, I, and I thought about it like, you know, it's amazing because you don't look for any fanfare. You, know, you don't look for any recognition. You, know, you don't look for any applause. You just handle business. Right? And I'll say that, I'll give that brother a shout out. You know, that's Mr. Tyrell Turner. Tyrell can handle business. I watched him on last Sunday. Tyrell came here ready to usher. Not just ready to usher, he actually ushered. A young adult in this ministry. He came dressed, ready, did his part. Never said nothing. Never, never asked for any. I appreciate that, brother. I appreciate you, brother Tyrell. You, 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 hey, you inspire me, my brother. You encourage me. Stay with the purpose and plan of God, Tyrell. And things that I know in the past, things we have put in that brother's hand. He, Tyrell, get it done. You know, he, he's, he's not giving you excuses of what he's got going on. And, I, and again, he's a young adult. I, I know, I'm sure he has many things that he's going on in his life. He just gets it done. He puts in the work. And, and I can tell you, that's what I mean by the young people, how there's value there. God sees that. God sees your diligence. He sees your preparation. He sees your, the time you spend outside of here. Right? I'm saying that's what speaks volumes. God will reward you. And like I said, there's others here. I'm just bringing that with it. The Lord has built in my heart and I want to make sure I bring it. It's important to have those examples before you. It really is. It's important to have that. It's important to be able to look at other peers and see that, hey, those that are committed to God and those that are just, I see they're playing. <laughs> not so good. It's good to have those examples before you. So again, back in this teaching, being prepared for the challenge it will expose three things. Here's the three things that will expose when you're being prepared for the challenge. Again, being prepared to stay focused in the midst of all distractions. It will expose your, first, your commitment to God will be exposed. Next will be your level of sacrifice. And then thirdly will be your position with God. These things will be exposed. In other words, these things will be manifest. These things will come out. Whenever the distractions come and now you have to stay focused, we're going to see your commitment to God. We're going to see your level of sacrifice. And we're going to see where you are with your position with God. So the first one, by being committed to God. And remember, all commitment is to God. And your commitment to God is based on your obedience. And obedience is tied into your trust. Who you trust, you will obey. So if I say I'm committed to God, that means I trust God. And since I trust God, I will obey. Look at this in, in Luke chapter 9. Because again, commitment to God, obedience to God, is tied into your trust. Luke chapter 9. Again, I'm going to bring this out in Luke chapter 9. <clears throat> Luke 9, starting at verse number 1. It says, Then he called his twelve disciples together and gave them power 
and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. So the he here is Jesus. He called his 12 disciples and he gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. And then he, Jesus, sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he said unto them, take nothing for your journey, neither staves, nor scrip, neither bread, neither money, neither ha- have two coats apiece. And whatsoever house you enter into, there abide, and thence depart. And whosoever will not receive you, when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet for a testimony against them. And then verse 6, And they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. So again, when you talk about your commitment to God is based on your obedience, and obedience is based on your trust, and who you trust you will obey, we see here that these disciples trusted in the Lord. Why? Because they went out. What I don't see here, the I, I, Lord has been really dealing with me about obedience. What I don't see here in this passage of Scripture is when Jesus told them what to do, I never see their response. You know what their response is? Here's the response of obedience. Your action. Your action is your response to obedience. Your action towards purpose of what you were instructed to do is your response to obedience. Not your words. It's your action. Jesus told them to do something and in verse 6, they departed and went. See, I'm telling you, I think a lot of us, we talk too much. What I mean by that, you saying things that you know that your heart don't even agree with. If, if, if someone, and, and you notice it, when I'm talking about your action, I'm talking about your action when it comes to getting instructions for those that have been in delegated authority to you. Right? Again, we talked about how your parent, parents, your father, your mother, they give you instructions. You know, when they give you instructions, it is not, it's not for debate. And sometimes I understand you want to get clarity. But a lot of times we're trying to get clarity, we're still debating. Let's be real. You know what they meant. You know what they, some part, hey, they say you go clean your room. Well, you want me to clean my room? That means I need the bed too? Is there, is there a bed in your room? I mean, see what I'm saying? It's just, we play games. Just go clean your room. Everything is in your room, go clean it. See, and then your obedience comes by your actions. That's filled with purpose. I'm going to do what I've been uh, told to do. Because I trust in what was said. I'm telling you, if you don't trust, then you won't obey. They, the disciples trusted in Jesus. So they went and preached the gospel. Believing what he has said. So what does obedience look like? Look at this in Matthew chapter 21. What does obedience look like? Matthew 21. Matthew 21. What does obedience look like? (laughs) Matthew 21. A practical example of obedience. Matthew 21, starting at verse number 28. It says, But what think ye? A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. So we see here that a man, a father, had two sons. And the father told the first son to go work today in his vineyard. 
Verse 29. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward, he repented and went. And then he came to the second and said, likewise. Likewise meaning, son, go work today in my vineyard. And that son, he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Verse 31. Whether of them twain did the will of the Father. And they said unto him, the first. And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. But look at this example of what obedience looks like. Right? There's two sons. The father gives both of them the same instructions. The first son says, I won't go. You know, again, once you respond, then that, your response out of your words, that, that's not an act of obedience. I won't, I won't go. But notice, it said afterwards, repented. That means something touched that son's heart to give him a change of his attitude about what his father said. And then after he repented, he said he went. And never said he said anything else. He never, went, never said he went back to his father and said, Oh, Dad, I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't. He went. See, actions in your word shows your obedience. Stay with purpose. That shows your obedience to what was said. See, this all ties into staying how we can stay Focus in, in, in preparation for the challenges. You know, in how we prepare ourselves for challenges and stay in focus, right? You have to obey. And I'm telling you, your obeying doesn't, even, doesn't even evolve your lip service. It evolves your... I mean, you need to put your hands to the plow and go get it done. Obey. But he said, I will not. But then afterwards, they went. But then we have the next son, right? Father said the same thing to them. Here's what obedience looks like, right? This will be parents or whatever they love to hear. They say, oh, that son obey. He said, I will go, sir. Got religious, got official, got reverence. I'll go, sir. And did never, never went and did anything. And went not. There was no actions correlated with your verb. That means in your heart, you wasn't planning on doing it anyway. I'm not working my father's vineyard, but I'm going to tell him I am. Why is this so important? Your obedience is seen in your response. And your response is based on your action to the purpose. See, you have to learn how to obey simple instructions. The father gave him very simple instructions. And the one made a verbal, I won't, but then, then the verbal, I won't, won't turned in, I'm going. Not saying it, but doing it. The other one gave a verbal, I will, and never did it, and then never did it. Right? So what am I not saying? I am not saying that you don't need to confirm, you know, that you heard somebody. You know, it's good to say yes, sir. Or yes, ma'am. Right? That's a good response. But to go along with your yes, sir, yes, ma'am is your action. Your work. At that moment, immediately. I tell you, you know, you're growing up and I remember my parents like, hey, when they tell you to do something, they're going to tell you something one time. 
I'm saying, if you didn't catch it the first time, that was on you. That was not on them. If you didn't understand it, that was still on you, not them. They said instruction to you one time. After that, after that one time, the next time you hear from them is to help you to move along. Right? Right? That means they're going to put a little leather, right, a little wood to your behind to get you moving. Right? You know, where you know, your, your father be sitting down and at the table or whatever, and he tell you to do something, and then you're not moving. And then as soon as he's trying to get, then you start going. It's too late then. You know, wait till he gets up to go. When he told you, no, no, when I tell you to do something, you better, you move in. One time. You know, it said the father didn't repeat himself with these sons. He said it once. That's what obedience looks like. Obedience looks like a response to, to the, to the, uh, the commandment by your action. That's how God sees it. And we got to respond immediately. Don't delay. Don't delay. And what I mean by don't delay, don't linger. Don't look back. Follow God's instructions. Look at this in, in Genesis chapter 19. Again, this is another example of obedience. We'll get there. Place I need to go, but we'll get there. Because I, I, I think some of them miss <laughs> when it comes to obeying. We want to talk about obeying, but ain't and, and done nothing. Let's obey by our actions. Right? You know, you know here, here's the thing, right? Just, you know, while I'm up here, might as well just go here, right? You know, we, we got an action to say that on August 1st, we need to all come to in-person services. You know, that didn't require a response. By your word, that require you to show up. Just show up, disobey. So we moved on, you know, I don't know what people thought they heard. They heard, just come to in-person services on 8-1. Disobey. Because again, who you trust, you will obey. Just come. And, and let me tell you something, you know who I trust? I trust God. And I trust who God has placed me in this ministry. I trust the delegate authority in this ministry. I trust my pastor and the counselors that she has. I trust that she's heard from God. I'm not, I am not here to question whether, whether my pastor heard from God or not. Because I wasn't there when God called her. And guess what? God didn't even ask me what I thought about it. I'm to tell, I, I'm to, why is it so learn, this is how we need to move forward together because we're in a safe place under God in this ministry trust and your trust will cause you to obey because I'm going to tell you if you can't obey in that simple thing can you imagine what else God speaks through the delegate authority that you hear you're like really going to the jail ministry really Talking to people that I don't relate to, really? Preaching the gospel? Again, I go back to Luke 9. When, they, hey, when Jesus told them to go, they went. I, they never said not one of those disciples had any excuses why they couldn't go. Not one of them. They went. They weren't concerned about whatever. They went. 
who you trust you will obey. Follow simple instructions. Learn that ministry. Learn that church living. Follow the simple instructions. Don't get ahead of God. Just stay with God. Alright, look at this in, in Genesis 19. A little something for you. Genesis 19. Because that won't be the last instruction you're going to get that you need to obey. Genesis 19, verse 15. We're going to look at this thing with Lot and his wife. Genesis 19, starting in verse 15. And it says, And when the morning arose, and the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the man laid hold upon his hand, and upon his hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, and the Lord being merciful unto him, and they brought him forth and set him without the city. So here we are, the angels saying, we, it's time to go, Lot. Get your family, let's go. And they're lingering. They had to grab them and say, let's go now, like now, for you be consumed. Verse 17, and it came to pass when he had brought, <coughs> brought them forth abroad that he said, escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. How many times are you going to tell you this? You've got to go now. You've got to move now unless you're going to be consumed. Right? Then verse 24. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and, Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew the, those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities which were grew up upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. So Lot's wife, in the time of leaving, she looked back. And she became a pillar of salt. She did not obey the simple instructions. She looked back. Why would you look back when it's time to leave? See, that's what I'm saying. When it's time to go forward, when it's time to get the simple instructions that God has given us. Again, we're talking about how, how God was supposed This is your commitment to God. If I'm committed to God, I'm not looking back. See, that's what I mean. When, when challenges come to get you to stay focused, don't be distracted. When God says something, I am not looking back. I'm not. I'm going forward. Lot look, the wife looked back. Like she missed something. How are you going to miss something that's going to be consumed? I'm going to tell you, it's not like missing something that's gone. I mean, in other words, you can't even get to that anyway. She lingered. She looked back. Right? You know, it's almost like you start having regrets. It's time to go. And I keep saying, when it comes to God, He's pushing us to a place. And either you're going to go with Him or you're going to get left behind. But God is still moving. Stay committed to God. Move. When he says move, let's move. Put actions to your response. And she became a pillar of salt. And it's so amazing to me because even Jesus brought up Lot's wife. Look at this in Luke chapter 17. Even the Lord mentioned this in remembrance. Luke chapter 17. I'm like, really, Lord? Luke chapter 17. 
There's something about when God gives you something to do and you looking back. Luke chapter 17, <clears throat> starting in verse number 30. It says, Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. What is the Lord saying? When God gives us commandment to move, we need to move. It's not time then to go back and get something. It's not time to return back. God is pressing us forward in the direction that he wants us to go in this ministry. Let's take aim and go. Don't return back. Because when you turn it back, you're trying to save something. Save something that God's saying, let go. Well, you know, again, that's the problem when we talk about commitment to God, right? That's the hindrance we have when we're committed to God. We won't let go. There's some things in our life we just have to let. In order for you to move forward, you've got to let it go. Whether it's possessions, whether it's a certain relationship, whatever's hindering you from going forward. Because he said, remember Lot's wife. She looked back and became a pillar of salt. I'm not here to try to preserve my life. Why? Because my life is in him. See, here's the thing I love about God. If God can take care of me, I can't be taken care of. If God can't sustain me, if God's grace is not sufficient, then I, I'm, I'm, already, I'm already done. So if my Heavenly Father says for me to do something, then all provision and power and ability is in that commandment. I'm gone. If he tells me to cut loose, guess what? I cut my losses and roll. I'm not returning back. I'm not looking back. I'm not going back and trying to save something. God said, let it, let it go. And that's the thing about your commitment to God. You can tell when someone's committed to God because you'll see their immediate response. How fast your response shows your commitment to God. Because I'm going to tell you, God, he's not repeating himself. You want me to repeat himself? The original instruction is the original instruction. He's not changing from the original instruction. He's moving forward. So we have to learn that. We have to stay committed to God. And follow after the simple instructions. Simple instructions. Trust in what God is, who God has placed us under when it comes to delegated authority. And David did this. David was committed to God. And David's commitment to God, was able, he was able to follow his instruction of his father and, and move them right into purpose. All right, so the next thing we talk about commitment to God, <clears throat> I mean, uh, what we're running to, what's going to be exposed when we talk about dealing with our challenges, is being prepared uh, for the challenge will expose your level of sacrifice. That's the second. It's going to expose your level of sacrifice when we're dealing with staying focused. And sacrifice requires discipline. And we see that David, we, we look at David with discipline. He had a disciplined lifestyle. I'm saying to be able to play an instrument and in in so skillful that the evil spirit will leave, you had to discipline yourself to practice. Often. On purpose. So again, sacrifice requires discipline. 
And discipline requires patience. And being patient is part of the process. Trust the process. Don't get impatient and quit because things are not moving at the pace that you want. See, that's the level of sacrifice. Right? My level of sacrifice when, I, when I'm staying focused, when I'm in the midst of my challenges, right? I have to understand I've got to be patient. I've got to trust the process. I've got to put forth that discipline. Right? And sacrifice requires strength and courage. What do I mean by that? Being strong speaks to strength, right? But being courageous speaks to having a will to do more and move past whatever the obstacles might be. Again, being courageous talks to me having a will to do more and then to move past whatever obstacles there might be. And that's what I mean by when you have to sacrifice. You sacrifice, it's like I have to be courageous. I have to step up and do things. Again, I have to put forth action. I got to move past whatever obstacles that are there. Because whenever, I say, sacrifice is going to cost you something. That means it's not going to be easy to be able to sacrifice. But that's why I'm, I have to be courageous. Because I got to move past those obstacles. Get that move, put forth effort. And when I move forth, the effort, the, my, that courage will get me to fall in line with purpose. And once I fall in line with purpose, I'm able to stand. In other words, you should never forget why you're doing what you're doing. Never forget. Stay with purpose. Why am I doing what I'm doing? I'm staying with purpose. I have never forgotten why I'm here. I've never forgotten who brought me here. Never forget that. Never forget where you came from. How good God has been to you. So you can stay with purpose. You can sacrifice. You can discipline. You can stay focused throughout the distractions. So then ask yourself, what are you willing to sacrifice to do the will of God? should be everything. What, what are you willing to bring to discipline in order to complete the, God's will? You know, what am I willing to bring the discipline in my life to complete God's will? What, what are those hindrances that are causing me not to complete the will of God? I have to sacrifice those things. Nothing comes before God's will. His purpose in my life. Nothing. Let me say this to you. Nobody comes before God's will and purpose in my life. You know what I mean? Nobody, no relationships. Uh, you have to let things go, let it go. If I have to choose between you and God, guess what the choice is? God. I don't have to even respond to that. If you put me into that situation where, hey, well, it's going to be the, hey, you or God, I'm like, bye. It's always God. He is my maker. And I have to stand before him one day and give an account for every deed I've done in this flesh. And you won't even be there. It's him. I'm staying with him. That's sacrifice. The exchange for the lesser for the greater. But I have to be willing to do that. And again, looking at David, like I said before, we saw David sacrifice. And when we talk about sacrifice too, let me just say this real quick. You know, we, we, sacrifice is focusing on the needs of others, not yours. In other words, sacrifice is not self-centered or self-serving. You know, we can easily sacrifice for something that we want. 
right? No, I'm going to sacrifice now because I'm trying to get this. I'm trying to do that. I'm try- yeah, yeah. But what about what God has called you to do? Can you sacrifice for that? See, sacrifice is focusing on the needs of others based on what God has given you for purpose on his assignment. I can sacrifice. But when you say that I'm, I'm sacrificing the, the better me, better this, better my, that's not sacrifice. You're doing what you want to do. When you do what you want to do, that's not called sacrifice. That's called you doing what you want to do. But sacrifice is for the needs of others. And David, is a per- he focused on the needs of others. David didn't have to go against Goliath. David ran into cause and all of a sudden saw a cause. It said, is there not a cause? And then went and slew Goliath. That was for the benefit of the others. The kingdom. So I go against this uncircumcised Philistine. It wasn't about, it wasn't nothing personal between David and Goliath. See, that's sacrifice. When I can put others above myself. That's sacrifice. That's why I said it's going to cost you something. Because those same others you putting above yourself, they may not even show you any gratification, any thanksgiving, nothing. Look at our, our example of our Lord, right? He sacrificed for us. He said, who will go? The Lord said, I'll go. Send me. Right? I'll be bruised for their iniquity. The chastisement of peace will be upon me. By the stripes, I'll be, you know, I'll take the stripes for them. I'll, take, I'll be wounded for them. I'll be bruised for them. Not for him. The Lord didn't need any of that. We did. For our behalf. That's a perfect example. That's sacrifice. And to be able to stay focused throughout the times when distractions come, you have to sacrifice. And then the third thing here is being prepared and the challenge will expose your position with God. So first of all, are you in position to serve? Again, when the distractions come, it will expose your position with God. But are you in position to serve? If you're not in position to serve, guess what? It is time now for you to get in position to serve. Because it's amazing how it will expose, you know, distractions come, but you're not even in position. It's time to get in position. You know, it's, it's time to get into the game. It's time. It's not like next week. It's time now to get into the game. It's time for you now to get in position to serve. Stop all the hesitations, the excuses, of why you won't put your hands to God's work. Understand, this is God's work. It's time to get in position. Well, you know, you don't know what I did. You don't know what happened. You don't know... But remember what I said before, God knows. And God's requiring you to get into position. Stop using your distractions to, to cause you not to get in position where God has placed you. What do I mean by that? Every one in this ministry should have their hands on this ministry, the work of this ministry. Everyone. Well, I don't know what I, what I can do. Ask God. And then, here's the thing. When you ask God, God's going to ask you by delegate authority. And they're going to come and say something to you. And then that's when you respond by your actions. 
versus you responding like, I don't want to do that. That's all amazing me, right? People say they go talk to God, and then when God actually answers them, not the way they expect to be answered, then all of a sudden, that wasn't God. Remember, whatever, hey, get yourself in position. Look at David. David kept sheep. David played an instrument. And that brought before him the king. While his sons, I mean his sons, his brothers did other things. And God said, I refuse them. Stay in position. But you got to get in position. Why? Because when it's time to go out to battle, when it's time for us to move forward, when it's, again, we're preparing for what is next, guess what? When next shows up, you know what I mean by what's next shows up? Whatever's next, when it actually comes, when it's here, that's the wrong time to try to get in position then. It's too late. You have to be in position already. See, everybody wants to move when things show up versus being in position already. And then when next shows up, you just slide right in. You were already there. Versus like asking, for, what are we doing? Or how can we do this? You got so many questions. Your mind is right. You have no idea how this works because you're not in position. See, you know, when, when David fought Goliath, it wasn't like, hey, Goliath wasn't the first battle David ever had. <laughs> you know, that's why David has certain instruments, tools that he used when he goes to battle. Because that wasn't the first time he got into the battle. It was the first thing that he slew. He talked about the, the lion and the bear that he knocked in and he took out. He talked about the lion and the bear that he took out with his own hand. But then he brought the slingshot and the five smooth, smooth stones. I mean, David, he already knew what tools he was going to use for battle. And here was Saul trying to give him some armor. He's like, I hadn't proved that, so I don't know what that is. That's not going to help me what I need to do. Right? Again, get because he's in position. He's not figuring out. It wasn't like, okay, you got to fight Goliath tomorrow. tomorrow. What? I need to start training. I need to go work out. I need to... You're too late. I need to lift some weights. I need to do some sit-up. It's too late. What am I, what am I use? I'm going to use a gun. I'm going to use a knife. I'm gonna, that is, yeah, Goliath's going to show up in a few minutes. We got time for that. That's what I mean about when distractions, they come. It's amazing. It exposes where you are, your position with God. I'm ready. Stay ready. How I stay ready? Because I stay prepared. How do I stay prepared? Because I stay in position. I'm not moved away from the position that God has placed me in. I stay there. But what if you never get called? That's fine. I'm, I'm always prepared. Because you never know the day that God will need you to step up. For that moment. That was that moment in David's life. But the moments that prepared him for that moment came earlier. So for David, that was just another moment. Everybody else look at it like David and Goliath. David like, you should have seen me deal with this bear and this lion. That was the moment for me. Because he was positioned with God. Look, look, let's go back to 1 Samuel. Look at what David said. 1 Samuel. Let me find this passage. 1 Samuel <clears throat> chapter 17. I love how David responds to what the Lord has done. Him being positioned with God. Look at David's testimony about God. 1 Samuel 17, verse 37. 
First Samuel 17, verse 37 says, David said, moreover, the Lord, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go and the Lord be with you. That's David's testimony by his position with God. It's the Lord that's with me. And the same Lord that delivered me before will deliver me again. Again, who you trust, you will obey. See, David knew his position with God. David, it's not, at that moment, David wasn't wondering, is God, are you with me? David, like, he knew. He understood. You know, I noticed that this too. David never prayed to God, to God, uh, you know, uh, it's time to pray. No, God, David didn't pray. Get that right. It's, a, it's amazing to be how we are, right? We can, we can go to every religious act, activity when it's time to do something. If, you, if I'm in a position with God, I've, guess what? I've already prayed. I've already seek God. I already know how God's going to respond, tell me what I need to do. Get this. Some things are not a matter of prayer at that time. In other words, you have already prayed and heard from God. Just obey. But see, all of a sudden we won't get religious. Somebody asks you to do something, I've got to pray. No, you ain't, what do you got to pray about? Why well, I got prayer about putting my hands to the work of the ministry of God? What is prayer going to tell me? Well, you're doing too much. I, and I get this amazing how people say we're, we're doing too much in the ministry. What is too much? What is too much in the kingdom of God? What's too much? Oh, back to that sacrifice and your commitment. Am I committed to God? What is too much? Oh, I'm taking away from my time. My me time. That's too much. Then what you praying for? Because God is not concerned about your me time. God's concerned about his program. See, it shows you your position with God. Remember that hadn't happened to you. You ever ask somebody to do something and they said they gotta go pray? I'm talking about when it comes to the purpose of God. I'm like, what are we praying about? I mean, here's the thing. What are you expecting God to say to you? And here's the I'm telling you, that's what I mean. I trust where God has placed me. If those in delegated authority come ask me to do something, I trust that they've heard from God already, then I need to go do it. I say it again. I trust that they've heard from God already, then I just go do it. I'm not there figuring out, what, God, that's not what you said to me. I'm like, there's a purpose behind why they told me to do it, and that purpose has to deal with God. I may not understand it now, and it may, but as I continue to go forward in obedience, then I'll get there. I, I, again, I learned from David. David kept sheep. David went from keeping sheep to now he had to keep a kingdom. He, he learned how to care for sheep. Now he had to care for people. And the same care he had for the sheep. That, he said if one sheep got away, he went after it. One. One sheep. Not a human being, a sheep. Didn't see the sheep was wrong. Hey, that sheep said, hey, hey, sheep, you shouldn't have went out there. I tried to tell you, I pulled you with my staff so you come back, but you just disobedient. Hey, I'm going to let you go. Go ahead. Get eaten by the lion. No, they weren't like that. David didn't blame the sheep for what they did. David cared for the sheep because his father told him to keep the sheep. That's how I am when it comes to ministry. I stay in position with God. If God has called me to this work, 
and I know He has, and I, then I know He's going to deliver me. He's going to bring me out. Then whatever He's called me to do, I can do. And again, not by my strength. It's not my ability. I, I'm not that talented. I am not that gifted. I'm none of that. It's the, it's the Spirit of God that's in me. It's like I said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Never get that confused, because that's the thing, too. Somebody, somebody say something to you that you, you, know, you may feel like you're more qualified to do something else. But when God will call you out to the deep, where you can only just trust in Him, He'll put you in an area of ministry that, that's not comfortable for you. Why? So you can only trust in Him. And then you've got to seek Him for guidance, for counsel, for endurance, for strength. Because that's what He wants. God's not looking for your ability. He's looking for your obedience. It's not your ability. It's, his, it's your obedience. God's going to do the work. He, just, he needs the vessel to step out there. Get that, you young adults. Right? Step out there. It's time for you to get in position where God has called you to be in this ministry. You know, we're talking about restoring you, but you, if you're not in a position, I don't know how you're going to get restored. Get in position so you can be restored. That's part of your restoration, is getting in position. Being willing to sacrifice, commit to God. Be in position. Right? Because the work that God has called us to do in this ministry requires you, young adults, to be in position. And the time is now. That's why I said before, it's not, it's not about a pandemic. Well, this is the wrong time for the pandemic. No. You know, even if we have virtual service, you still get in position. There's things you can do now in the pandemic to get in position when it comes to ministry. The pandemic is not an excuse for you not to be in position. You know, we have a young adult service every fourth Friday of the month. You can put your hands to that work. There's plenty of activities there for you to do. And, I'm just, and that's just one thing. There's many things when it comes to ministry that you can put your hands to. In the pandemic, get in position. And then stay there. That's what I've learned with David. Right? David stayed in position. Stayed in position with God. David stayed on purpose. He committed himself to God and never left there. That's why God said, I have, I have a king that I have appointed. I have a, somebody you know, that after my own heart. I learned that from David. And to me, David, like I said, he's a powerful example of someone who knew how to hear from God, knew how to stay under delegated authority, and recognized that delegated authority was God's authority, and stayed there. Never speaking of himself, never looking for his own audience, his own platform, his own thing. Stayed there. And we looked at this last time, we looked at David when he... Play the heart for a king. So I remember this was after he was anointed king. When we talked about this last time. He went into the kingdom of Saul. He never told Saul, I'm going to, hey, I'm going to take your job. I'm going to be the king. Yeah, your time is limited. Hey, show me the, the sweet spots in this palace because it's all going to be mine in a minute. Never said nothing. He said he loved Saul. David even said, who am I to touch the Lord's anointing? He loved Saul. See, that's the attitude we learn from when it comes to staying committed, staying focused throughout the distractions that we have in this ministry. We've got to press forward, church. We've got to move forward what God has called us to do. We keep hearing about wall builders. 
right? We hear about preparation. Take heed to the time, the season we're in, because when what when when what is next shows up, and you have prepared for it, you will not be able to endure during that time. You will fall off, like many have fallen off during the pandemic. It's time to get back into position. You know, you here's a good thing for you. And I'm gonna close with this, right? I'm gonna just keep going here, right? Here's a good thing for you. When you heard about in-person services, you know how you responded. In-person services, uh, we were having in-person services on August 1st, last Sunday. You know how you felt then, how you responded, right? And then when you heard that, okay, because we're having the Lord is saying, we're going to put it on pause again. Then, then, then how you responded? See, some of you are like, you, you know, you felt at ease. Go back to your convenient way of doing things. See, that's where your heart is. In other words, some of y'all are glad we're not having in-person services. Because you like the way things are. It's convenient for you now. It's convenient for you to just turn the TV on, turn it off. It's convenient for you to say, I'm watching the program while you're doing everything else, while the program is going on, or seeing it live. It's easy. Versus having to come in here, bring your family in here, they hear the Word of God. And then apply it and, and then come back on the following Wednesday and Sunday to continue to do the same thing. And then to put your hands to the ministry and be part of the children's ministry and part of the, the youth and part of the women of covenant, men of all these activities that go on. See, it's, it's easy to stand back. But, but again, I say this to you. What is God saying in this time? What has God said to you? Don't look for convenience. Look for purpose. Because what, when what is next shows up, you will not be able to endure it. Don't get lazy in this time. This is time. Be honest. This is time to step it up. This is, um, this is time to step it up. Not to get lazy. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Again, I'm just trying to encourage you. I really am. My, my heart's desire is, what, is that you walk with God in this season you're in. Because... Time, as we know, it's going to go forward, and we, we have only a point of time to get things done in, this, in our time, in our lifetime. And then it's over. Understand, one day this is all going to be over for, for us. And then the next generation, this generation is going to step in and do something. I only have a limited amount of time. You know, I'm preparing for my departure because it's, it's, it's at hand. Preparing for it. Understand, you understand where you're at. Because you keep putting stuff up, I'll do it. And I'll do it later. Uh, no later. The time is now. Prepare for what God has called you to do now. Get in position. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net. Thank you.